Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you are here today. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I'm going to do something very different today because today is a poignant day for us. 40 years ago today, November 18th, 1983, Gracie had her terrible car wreck, and today I'm going to do something a bit different on the program. I'm going to play some special songs, some that you may or may not have heard before that she's recorded, many that I wrote and played on. These songs formed part of the tapestry of our life, just as a way of historical reference, and I'll let Gracie share in her own words here in the next block Gracie slammed into this concrete abutment. I later learned that the surgical resident, when she arrived at the emergency room, told her prosthetist many years later, the guy that built her prosthetic legs, they stopped counting at 200 breaks. Later this month, she will undergo her 86th operation that I can count. This will be another nine-hour procedure to straighten her back. After we reached more than 100 physicians who have treated her, I stopped counting. 13 different hospitals, inpatient, more than 150 smaller procedures. I I lost count of all of those. It's been quite a journey, and this is what has framed not only her life, but my life now as a caregiver, what brought me into this world. I did not know her when she had her wreck. I met her a couple of years afterwards. She'd had about 20 operations at that point. And I say all this to provide context for why I do this program, why we are here, why you're listening at this hour, why you've tuned in to this program that many of you listen to every week. I get your letters and so forth. When you have a journey that spans this amount of time, And these levels of, uh, I don't even know what the word is, crisis moments, it's relentless. Gracie lives in torment physically, emotionally at times as well. Her life is incredibly difficult. I don't share a lot of that with many people, but I'm taking a moment today to share with this audience of just a portion of how difficult my wife's life is. She keeps a great attitude. She's an amazing person. She's tougher than a Waffle House steak. But it is a difficult life. Since that day, she has not known a conscious moment without pain. Significant pain. Pain that has caused at least four different pain specialists to scratch their heads and wonder how to help her. We have gone through... You cannot imagine the the nerve blocks and just there's so many things that we have done in our life to try to help equip her to live with this terrible burden that she has to carry. And since 1986, I have been her sole caregiver through all of this. And that's what has eventually prompted this program of understanding what putting yourself between someone with a chronic impairment can do to an individual and how it affects the family caregiver. 
During all this time, we've never plateaued. We've had seasons where it would be less severe than others for, you know, a couple months at a time, that kind of thing. And Gracie has soldiered through some amazing challenges to do, quite frankly, some astonishing things. But we've never reached some kind of homeostasis where it just kind of, okay, here we are now, we live the rest of our life in this manner. There is just a crisis after crisis after crisis with us. When you have 86 surgeries over 40 years, you do the math. Now you think about that, of what's involved with something like this. When she goes through this surgery at the end of this month, it'll be her fifth in about two years. I would be remiss if I didn't stop and offer respect to Gracie for her journey, her courage, her strength, her tenacity at dealing with the impossible. She can't join me for this program today. She's struggling right now. And once she gets to the hospital, she's got quite a bit of time to struggle ahead of her. We're going to spend Christmas and most likely New Year's and most likely most of January in the hospital. But she keeps her eyes fixed on Christ. Gracie was 17 when she was hurt. Another 17-year-old girl was also hurt many years ago. And the two of them sang this song together. 40 years is a very long time. And today's a somber day for our family, but it's not without conviction, fortitude, resolve, and gratitude for what God has done through such horrific challenges. This is Gracie singing with her dear friend, Johnny Erickson Tata, through it all. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. And oh, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned 
with Johnny Erickson Tata. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved <laughs> me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. When we think in terms of authorship of the Bible, we have essentially a dual authorship. Pastor Alistair Begg from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans. It's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. And the great wonder of it is that without any violation of Paul's personality or his intellect, um, God, through the instrumentation of the Holy Spirit, both uh, provided Paul and enabled Paul to write as he wrote. And that would be true for all the Bible authors. And so it is at once uh, an entirely divine book and yet it is an entirely divine book that uses uh, human authors in order to provide us with the text. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org.
Welcome back to a very special edition of Hope for the Caregiver. This this song that you're hearing is from the soundtrack of a film that our son did, and I wrote the score for it, and I played this, and I am filling today's episode with music and recounts of what happened 40 years ago today. And I thought it would be best to have Gracie shared in her own words of what happened to her. 40 years is a long time. And she was just a kid. She was 17. I did not know her. But what happened that day on a, on a Tennessee highway on a kind of a dreary November day would ultimately affect my life profoundly and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and now your life as listeners to this program as readers of her book my book and the list continues I had her read the prologue to her book some time ago but I can't remember if I've ever shared that on the air here. And so I thought today would be would be the appropriate day. I helped her write her book, and it's titled, Gracie, Standing with Hope. Pastor Jim Bachman once stated in a sermon, I'll never forget where I was when I heard it. The Lord says, I'll give you brokenness. I'll give you emptiness. I'll give you weakness. Then you'll be useful to me. Prologue. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Psalm 23, verse 4. November 18th, 1983, 12.30 p.m., 90 miles west of Nashville, Tennessee, on Interstate 40. Fatigue washed over me. Nine weeks into my freshman year in college, months of maintaining a frenzied pace, finally registered, and it hit like a ton of bricks. In addition to an already full schedule of classes, my decision to declare a double major in vocal performance and piano required lengthy and exhaustive hours of practice. My heavy academic load, along with a strict jogging regimen and a budding college social life, pushed any kind of rest to the bottom of my detailed priority list. Now, Driving alone with just my thoughts to keep me company, the weariness crept in relentlessly. You know, Gracie, you really need to roll the window down, I told myself. Glancing at the window, a voice in my brain kept telling me to lower it and allow the cold autumn air to rouse me from the increasing comfort of the warm car. Not heeding the mental warning bells, my hands gripped the steering wheel as I continued driving while looking glassy-eyed at the road ahead. The highway, bordered by trees with bare branches rising from autumn-browned fields, stretched ahead and merged with the dull gray sky. Dull. I tried to stir myself to alertness by returning to composing lyrics (laughs) to a tune given to me by a friend. Father, here I am again seeking you once more, 
giving up to you the burdens I've given up before. Why must there be a constant struggle in me, a giving of myself? The song seemed about as cheerful as the landscape. Oh, well, at least I looked colorful and cheery. Glancing down, I smiled at the new Agner shoes my mom bought me for my college wardrobe. Earlier that morning, I decided to arrange my entire outfit based on these new shoes. Wonderful new burgundy tights, a fabulous deep turquoise corduroy skirt, an Agner-colored sweater with a stylish large cow turtleneck, and several pieces of my favorite jewelry, one of which was a gold atabead necklace I'd been adding to since sixth grade. To this day, my attire for the trip remains one of my all-time favorite outfits, although it was mm, four or five sizes smaller. As the miles crept by, I noticed that my gas gauge was getting low. With all the running around, I forgot to fill up the tank. Scolding myself for failing to stop at the next exit, rapidly shrinking in my rearview mirror at this point, I made a mental note to fill up at the next one. Being my first time to drive west, though, on this highway, I was unaware that the nearest gas station lay nearly 10 miles away. The gentle humming engine noise of my Honda Accord seemed to envelop my body. Feeling my head bob slightly, I quickly shook it off and shifted to the right of a ten-truck convoy, thinking, how odd for those tractor-trailers to all be in the left lane. Speeding to 70 miles an hour, the speed limit was 55 at the time, I passed them in the right lane. Racing around them and then cutting back to the left in front of another car, I glanced again at my fuel level and knew I had to find an exit quickly. If I just didn't feel so sleepy. With no exit in sight, I settled in after speeding past the tractor trailers, nervously looking at the gas gauge. Staring ahead, the highway seemed to stretch on endlessly and endlessly, without even a curve to break up the monotony. Relaxing in the warm car and feeling the comfort of sleep moving stealthily over my body, my mind chose to stop fighting it. With blurring eyes, I gave myself permission to just rest for a moment, and I lay my head on the steering wheel. Dumb decision. Adorned in a beautiful new shoe, my foot pressed heavily on the accelerator and slowly urged the car back to more than 70 miles per hour. As I drifted from the left lane, the car behind me slipped by, apparently oblivious to my condition, unlike the men driving the 18-wheelers I had just passed, who could only watch helplessly as I rested my head on the wheel. Frantically blowing their horns, trying to startle me awake, the truckers radioed each other and coordinated to form a rolling barrier behind me with their trucks, preventing anyone else from being hit by my aimless car. With their constant horn blasts failing to wake me, the truckers watched my car slowly weaving for about a minute and then steadily drifting to the right. Making its way through the right lane, my Honda Accord raced into the roadside gravel. The crunch of the tire against rock did cause me to stir a little bit. 
and halfway opening my heavy-lidded eyes, I vaguely noticed a large green sign with white letters. In a drowsy haze, I failed to react in time to keep the car from charging ahead. With no guardrail to prevent disaster, my car left the road and mowed over a mile marker. Bent by the front of the car, the small sign whipped back into the Accord, slicing through the Honda's undercarriage and carving out a large section of my right thigh, nearly cutting me in two. Ramming head-on into the end of the concrete abutment, framing a culvert, the front of the little Honda wrapped itself around the eight-inch barrier slamming my body against the rapidly crumpling car. Milliseconds later, internal organs also bowed to the law of physics and pounded into my body as I'd quickly decreased speed, allowing me to fully experience the smashing impact of high velocity meeting a dense fixed obstacle. With no buffer to burn off speed, the frontal impact lifted the back end of the car, and like an Olympic gymnast, the car twisted and flipped through the air so that the back end of the car crushed into the opposite side of the culvert's cement wall. Although bearing the impression of the abutment in the front of the car, the nearly 90-degree impact shoved the trunk of the car almost into the back seat. With the car hurtling through the air as if in slow motion, the momentum from pounding backwards into the culvert flipped the crushed automobile again and again, and then, finally, sent it careening along a 15-foot embankment, rolling into a small ravine that served as a runoff during rainy weather. The Honda finally tumbled to a stop, amazingly right side up. The gully was deep enough that had the wreck been at night, no one driving by would have ever noticed or rescued me in time. Disoriented and in shock, I awoke with my body leaning towards the passenger seat, but both of my legs were grotesquely pinned over my right shoulder. Something seemed dreadfully wrong with each of them, particularly my right foot, which was dangling limply at a bizarre angle. Feeling a wet, sticky substance trickling down my face and into my eyes, I blinked through the blood now oozing from a gash on the top of my head. With curious detachment, I noticed the right front tire crammed into the passenger seat. A strange flashing in front of me caught my attention, and painfully shifting my eyes forward, a wave of fear rushed over me. My car was on fire. Although my brain clanged all sorts of alarms, nothing in my body could move. I told it to move. Panic enveloped me, and hopelessness flooded over me. Staring straight into the flames, shooting from the engine, I saw a shape of a person. Although the face shone too brightly to be distinguishable, I somehow knew that the silhouette I saw was Christ. With one last surge of energy, willing myself to speak through a mouth that felt strange and unresponsive, 
I cried out, Jesus, Jesus, only you can save me now. Mercifully, everything went black. It took 90 seconds for my life to be violently and irreparably changed. Take a time out in the corner. Refuse to allow anything, whether they be relationships, whether they be friends and family members, whether they be a Supreme Court refusing to hear a case, whether they be any election results, no matter what it is, refuse to allow those things to eclipse the preeminence of Christ in your life. The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on AFR. The podcast is available anytime at AFR.net. I love AFR. You say it's on the radio too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. I just love the podcasts. That too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. The American Family Association is a nonprofit organization that counts on your financial support to keep fighting to stem the tide of secularism in our culture and to rebuild our Christian foundations. One way many people choose to give is through the AFA Foundation. They found it's a great way to make a difference in people's lives by keeping the mission of AFA going for their kids, grandkids, and even beyond. There are also numerous ways to give that can benefit you now by providing tax benefits and even income. Of course, it doesn't stop there, or should we say start there. The AFA Foundation can also guide you step-by-step in planning your estate and setting up your will so you can have the peace of mind knowing everything is in its place. It's a great gift to your family and to countless others. Will you take time today and stop by afafoundation.net? All the resources you need are right there at your fingertips. AFAFoundation.net Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Welcome back to a very special edition of Hope for the Caregiver. And I'm going to just take some time to play some music for my wife 40 years ago today she had that terrible accident that led to so much suffering loss so many surgeries another one coming up here this month and it permanently changed her life my life and every life that she's ever met and so i thought i'd just play some music and tell you a little bit more about Her life and journey, 40 years is a very long time. Even scripture thinks 40 years is a long time. And yet listen to the conviction in her voice as she sings these songs. Thank you that he knows the plans he has for you. Oh, yes, he does. He knows just what we're going Yeah. 
song i love when she sings it and you can just hear it just oozing out of her here's another one that just tears me up every time i hear her sing it this is gracie Your hand 
jockey today but i love this body of work that my wife has done and she's done all of this with a broken body she's done all of this in pain in more pain than i can imagine and i live with her and i see it she's done many of these songs while standing on two prosthetic legs and i remember when she did this song and i knew she needed to do this song this was just well you hear for yourself is by the incomparable Keith Green. As each day passes by, I feel my love run dry. I get so weary, warm, and tossed within the storm. Well, There's no greater love than to lay 
down your life for a friend. Our Father's will was done by giving us a son who paid the highest cost to point us to the cross and when I think of it taking on the whole world's sin I take one look at me compared to what I'm called to be I want to when I need to be more like Jesus There's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. My one and only God, His image in my soul. Yes, my weakness is revealed, but by His stripes I'm healed. He's faithful and He's true to complete the work He begins in me. This is Peter Rosenberg. This is a special edition of Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. I'll never forget walking into the hospital room after Gracie had her second amputation. Both legs are gone now. And she looked at me. She said, I know what I'm going to do. And I was kind of startled. I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to help provide prosthetic limbs to my fellow amputees and tell them about Jesus. And I said, well, baby, can we get out of the hospital first? But she never let it go. And for almost 20 years, we've been working out of Ghana, West Africa. We treat patients all over there from other countries that come there. We send supplies. We send teams. 
We sponsor patients. We work with a prison where inmates volunteer to disassemble used prosthetic limbs so we can recycle the parts. All of this because Gracie trusted God with her heartache. We've got a huge shipment of supplies that is being loaded up right now to go out soon. Would you help us do it? Standingwithhope.com slash giving. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. There's prosthetic feet, knees, pylons, sleeves, adapters, all kinds of connectors. All of these things we are sending over there so that people can walk. We're going to point them to Christ. Help us out. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. This is Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. Dark thoughts often grip us as caregivers. We fearfully cry out for someone to tell us what to do, where to go, how to cope, or even why this is happening to us. When he was just a toddler, our oldest son fell and lacerated his chin, and I had to hold him down while he received stitches. I'll never forget the look of terror in his eyes and his screams as he endured what, for him, was horrifying. He had no way to understand what was happening or how to cope. So instead of trying to explain infections, antibiotics, and so forth, I gently assured him that I was there and he would be okay. Soon the doctor finished and I held our son and dried his tears. How are we any different when traveling in the often long valley of the shadow of death? Our Heavenly Father doesn't often give us the answers we demand, but He does give us the assurance we need the assurance of His presence and His love for us. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. Welcome back to this special edition of Hope for the Caregiver. I'm Peter Rosenberger. We're talking about the journey that my wife's had since the terrible wreck she had 40 years ago today. But listen to the power and conviction of her voice as she sings this song that I wrote for her. I see the struggles you face as you fight to run race has no end in your Search 
I wrote this song, We Will Stand, right after 9-11, and I was looking at all the suffering, and I wanted to say something, and I, I didn't know what to say. And then I thought about Gracie, and I thought, well, what would I say to her? And so I wrote that song, We Will Stand. One of the first songs I ever heard Gracie perform was this one. It's called One Heart. And she recently cut this down the hill here in front of our studio, and I love what she does with this. One Put up a wall One life that wouldn't give long I learned to play the game Of hiding all my shame I couldn't even hear Oh, by living faithfully, oh, by living faithfully. 
As I close this program out today, commemorating 40 years that Gracie has lived with tremendous suffering, and yet what a life she continues to live. I thank you all for letting me play some music that means a lot to Gracie and me. It forms the tapestry of our life. This last one I wrote from a caregiver's perspective. It's called I Can Only Hold You Now. Gracie, you have many more songs to sing. I love you. I know what this means. I'm not unaware. I understand the cost. What I pay to care. I see who you are. I see all you've been. I still love you now, like I did way back when.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.